Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We need you every moment of every day, Lord. I ask that you would clear and block any distractions, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and through me, Lord, alone, that I would be able to bring your truth. Speak by me and through me, Lord. Place your word upon my tongue. Use my lips to glorify your name. Help us to hear and understand and let us see and perceive. Use me to proclaim your word today and help me to speak clearly and concisely. And God, I surrender for your use. I ask that you would give me unction to speak when the time comes, what we need to hear in Christ's name and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. Imagine visiting, you know, we have a graveyard up on the hill here. Imagine visiting your loved one and somebody tells you they're not there. Now, you watched them put the body in the grave, but the grave is empty, not there. They're not there. The grave is open and they're not in it. Now, imagine what that would make you feel. You might have some anxiety. You might have some fear. In fact, Mark's gospel record tells us that the women left in fear. You might be confused. You might wonder, what in the world is going on? You might even be horrified. Maybe you wouldn't be able to process what happened. And I think all of those human emotions are what those disciples of Christ had experienced on that day when it was discovered that He was risen from the grave by the power of God. We're going to honor God today by looking at the fact that He foretold that He was going to arise. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the one we call Jesus. His real name is Yahushua and Christ, Messiah. You've probably heard that word Christ many times, and you've probably heard the word Messiah at least a few. They are synonymous, two different languages. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. We know that He is risen because there were people who saw Him alive, and they reported about it. They told others about it. There are accounts we call the gospel records that tell us about it. We're going to look at some of those events of the resurrection day, that first resurrection day. We know that all four gospel records give some pieces of that in different orders at times. They give different perspectives. But we need to remember that this day that we celebrate is about His resurrection. Now, the name of the day was changed in about the third century by the Roman church as they were bringing in non-believers and they wanted to satisfy those non-believers and so they took it and they named it after the pagan god Ishtar and we call it Easter. That's the root of it is Ishtar. 
And the sad truth is that this one word, Easter, tainted a highly respected Bible because the translators wanted to go easy on people, I guess. They had some reasons that I don't know. These were highly respected translators who translated the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek texts into English. I have to ask, how much error or deliberate mistranslation does it take to taint a Bible version? Anybody? How much of this error or mistranslation does it, is required to say, yeah, there's something wrong there? One word's enough. And there are those, and, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, because I personally enjoy God's Word, and I grew up on His Word yeah. from the time I was a teenager. But we need to look up on the screen here, and we're going to see Acts chapter 12, and we're going to read the first four verses. Now, about that time... Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Verse 2 tells us, He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then, at that time, were the days of unleavened bread. It was the festival of unleavened bread, or the feast of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended Peter... He put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. We see it in our Bible, right? We pick up that version of the Bible, we see that word Easter. It's the only place that it shows up in that particular version of the Bible. I don't know about any other versions. But I want us to look at the Greek word. We've got to get this out of the way, folks, because it's really important that we understand this, okay? Look at the Greek word translated there. It's from and the Strong's number is 3957. It means Pascha. And the Thayer's definition is the Paschal sacrifice, which was accustomed to be offered for the people's deliverance from old, or the people's deliverance of old from Egypt. In other words, when God passed over the people who had sprinkled blood, and the definition goes into that, the Paschal Lamb. The Lamb the Israelites were accustomed to slay and eat on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, the first month of their year, the memory of the day on which their fathers, preparing to depart from Egypt, were bidden by God to slay and eat a lamb and to sprinkle their doorposts with its blood, that the destroying angel, seeing the blood, might pass over their dwellings. Christ crucified is likened to the slain Paschal Lamb. He was slain on Passover. The Paschal Supper is also considered this Greek word. It's a part of the definition. The Paschal Feast, the Feast of the Passover, extending from the 14th to the 20th day of the month of Nisan. Nowhere does that word Easter, is it found in the definition? It's not there. That word is not there. 
In fact, this idea was inserted by the translators to appease those who had an interest in erasing the historic roots of this celebration. Okay, so with that out of the way, we're going to look at God's Word. But you have to understand this, folks, okay? Because everybody says, Happy Easter. I grew up with that. I was like, every day's Easter for me. I'm living the resurrection. I have a new life. I've been raised from the dead because the wages of sin is, anybody? Death. And we've been brought into new life through Christ and His sacrifice. Praise God. We have that blessed hope through the resurrection of Christ our Lord. I want us to pray for a moment before we move further in the message. Father, please open our minds to accept Your Word as it is written. You alone are my counselor. Please use Your Spirit to purify our hearts and minds of all falsehood and deception. Help us, Lord, to surrender fully to You. Please eliminate distractions and help us to hear Your Word. Turn our hearts to You for Your name's sake and open the eyes of our understanding, I pray. Let us hear only from You. Erase those voices, Lord, that do not belong. Help us to believe and help me to speak clearly and concisely. Pour Your Spirit upon all who are within the sound of my voice that we would learn to live as Your Word commands. I pray, Father, for each one in this building and those who are watching online and those who will listen or watch at a later time. I pray all of this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, all four gospel records give a recounting of the events of that day that we call Resurrection Day. It's the testimony of four witnesses. And by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word is established according to God's Word. If you believe God's Word is true, then you comprehend that what He's saying is He made sure that nobody could doubt that this actually took place. And there are those who do. They try to disprove the resurrection. Usually when they do that, they become believers because they find the historical evidence is so strong that it can't be denied. All four gospel records contain the main elements of what took place that day. We know it actually happened. We know He was brutally killed. We know that He was buried. We know by the record that He arose. He died on Passover, and it is most likely that that was on Wednesday, what we would call Wednesday in that particular year when he was killed. And that explains the three days and three nights in the grave. won't go into all that, but there are people who ask me, well, why do we do this on Friday? It's become a church tradition when we do the Good Friday celebration. Matthew's gospel record relates three occasions when this one that we call Jesus told his followers what was going to happen. This was coming, he said. And we look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. This is what we hear there. This is our Lord speaking. From, excuse me, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. There'd be no hope if he hadn't been raised. 
There'd be no hope. We would have no hope at all. In Matthew chapter 17, we hear this. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. Now, if it ended there, be going good news. And the third day he will be raised up. And they, his disciples, were exceedingly sorrowful because they got caught up on that they're going to kill him part. They didn't get the part that he would be raised. In Matthew chapter 20, we hear this. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them. Now, they're traveling to Jerusalem. He takes them aside and he says, look, fellas, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, speaking of himself, will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, the religious people, were the ones that were going to kill him. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, in other words, to the Romans, to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And again, if that was all he said, there'd be no hope, but he said, and the third day he will rise again. See, he foretold this event. He foretold that this was going to happen. And we can't let that fall on deaf ears today. He recognized he was going to die. He willingly went to that cross. He willingly gave his life. Luke also testifies about our Lord for telling these things. In chapter 9, we hear this. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. In other words, the Messiah, the Messiah of God is what Peter would have said. He wouldn't have used the Greek word. And he strictly warned Christ, our Lord, the Messiah, he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man, again referring to himself, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. See, Luke got his account from other people. So we could say Luke's account is actually hearsay. Matthew, he was right there. He was up close and personal. Luke came along later. Luke was a physician, and he was a, a studious man. He took meticulous notes, and he recorded all of the things that he could find out from other people about what happened. That's how his gospel record in the book of Acts were written. In chapter 18, we hear that he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets. Now, see, he gives us a little detail there. He says, The things that are written by the prophets are going to come true. They're going to happen. They're going to be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and be mocked and insulted and spit upon. A few more details. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. They didn't get it. They did not get it. It didn't, can we say, click with them? They're like, he's the king. You know, we celebrate the last week, he's riding into Jerusalem. He's going to be the ruler. He's going to be the big guy. And now he's telling them, not exactly the way you think. And they didn't get it. They didn't comprehend what he was saying. They didn't get it.
They'll scourge him and kill him, and the third day will rise again. And this saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Luke tells us the angels reminded his disciples that he had foretold this. You go to Luke's gospel record in chapter 24, verses 5 through 7, we hear this. Then, as they were afraid, these were the men that were there, the disciples that were there, may have been some women, they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. Bowed their faces to the earth. And the angel said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He's calling the religious people, the religious leaders, sinful men. Sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. One of the biggest indictments that we see in the Gospels is that religion had it wrong. Religion had it wrong, but those people that had formed a relationship with him, they were walking along, and they still weren't completely clear on all of the details that were happening, but at least they were with him. Luke also relates the fact that Christ reminded his disciples that he had foretold these events. Chapter 24, as we go a little further along, verses 46 and 47, we hear he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary. Thus it is written means he's talking about the prophets that foretold it. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And there's a detail that Matthew didn't give us, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You see, that's the message of the gospel, folks. Repentance and remission of sins. Our sins can be forgiven by Him. We don't forgive our own sins. In Acts 10, we read of when Peter preached the gospel. He included the death, burial, and resurrection and rising in three days. Let's go there. Acts chapter 10, verses 40 to 43. Him, speaking of Christ, God raised up on the third day and showed Him openly not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with Him after He arose from the dead. Now, can you imagine? Let's put it into terms that maybe you can comprehend. Your pastor is killed by the religious people, buried. You go to the grave, you're weeping, and you find out he's not there. And then he appears... And he says, hey, let's get a bite to eat. I'm hungry. I'm just saying, that's what they're telling us here. They ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that though, excuse me, through his name, whoever believes in him will receive Remission of sins. And there's that word believe again. You know, in the last few weeks, we touched on that word believe a little bit. What does it mean to believe? Well, Christ tells us believing that He is, in fact, the Messiah, we obey Him. That's what it means to believe. Paul relates the death, burial, and resurrection as the gospel, the good news. We can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, Paul writes there, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if 
you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, he's saying this was all foretold. And that He was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. In other words, they're still witnesses at that time when He was writing this because they could have checked Him and said, no, it didn't happen that way. He said, look, there are witnesses, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, they died. After that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles, the last of all, then last of all, He was seen by me, this is Paul speaking, as one born out of due time. You might recall the account of Paul heading off to Damascus. He's on the road. Excuse me. He's on the road. He's on the road. And Christ appears to him, and he drops like a dead man. Who are you, Lord? He says, You're, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? He put him down. Aside from the fact, as I mentioned to the children, that no other faith leader, no other religious leader has ever come out of the grave when they've gone into it, what's the big deal? As I'm preparing for this service, I'm thinking, you know, this is the highest holy day in all of Christendom. There are people that are celebrating all across the world today. What's the big deal? Why? Why, it's, why is this so important to us? Why celebrate the resurrection? Now, we've been raised in different faith traditions, no doubt, and everybody's got their own ideas about this and why we do it. But I want you to hear what the Bible tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile you are still in your sins. That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate His resurrection. He's risen, and because He's risen, our sins have been taken away. We are set free. We're no longer in that prison of sin. All we need to do is surrender to Him, yield to Him, allow Him to take us and use us to His glory. That's His work. It's His work. His resurrection contains the evidence that ours is possible. You see, if no one had ever been raised from the dead, and we know that He raised Lazarus from the dead, giving hope to Lazarus' family and all who saw that, because there were those at that time that didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, and they were some of the ones that were the most vehement in opposition to Him. And you know... This is one time that I'll tell you that it is about us. It is about you. Because He lives, you also can live forever. On the night when He was betrayed, our Lord told His disciples He was leaving, and they could not follow Him. They couldn't come with Him. And of course, this caused some confusion. They're like, where's He going? We don't even know. He says, you know where I'm going. You know the way, too. And then he said, I, him, he is the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. That's the first mention of someone else following after him. The first mention in the Gospels. In John chapter 14, we hear this, let not your heart be troubled. This is our Lord speaking. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, which means dwelling places or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and bring you to myself, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. See, He promises that we are going to be with Him. He's going to come to get us. And you see, that is a promise of the resurrection. I will come and receive you to Myself. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, hear what we read there. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that He died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have died in Christ will be coming back with Him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. We're not going to go first. They're going to go first. Those who have passed on will be the first to arise. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. Does that sound like it's a secret takeaway there? No secret to it. He says the Lord Himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. I don't know what the trumpet of God sounds like. But I'll tell you, I don't think it's going to be something that uh, a lot of people are going to welcome because it's going to be known. Time is up. It's over. He says, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, we can't even imagine what that looks like. The resurrection of Christ brings us into this very moment right now when we here on this planet are alive awaiting His return. He says He's going to come and take us out of here. There's a lot of dispute about how that's going to look and what it's going to look like. There are those who say He's going to sneak in, grab His people and run, and then He's going to come back again, but that's not clearly outlined in the Scriptures. Those who alive are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord, and therefore comfort one another with these words. That's our comfort. He's going to bring us to Himself. It doesn't matter what the world brings. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what the enemy does because Almighty God, through Christ our Lord, is going to gather us together to be with Him for all of eternity. 
And all of this life will seem like a distant memory. It'll be in the past. You see, this is about believers. I heard a preacher one time deny the resurrection. Didn't like to talk about the resurrection. But Christ said He's going to come back to gather those who have died and those who are alive to Himself. I think this year we're going to look at that. I listened to some sermons from a fellow that said the rapture according to Jesus. And he left out one really critical text. Oh, he mentioned it, but he didn't read it. And that's within the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. I'd encourage you all to read that for yourselves. We'll get there. The point is that we will always be with Him from that moment forward. He will gather us together, and we will be with Him. As I wrap this up, I want you to celebrate Christ's resurrection. Ishtar has nothing to do with it, okay? Rabbits and eggs have nothing to do with it. All of those things were invented to hide the truth, to obscure the truth of the resurrection, to take people's, very subtly take people's attention away from the resurrection of Christ and place them on something else. Because the enemy of souls does not want you to realize that you have something in Christ that they do not. The enemy of souls wants to stop you from realizing that you are people of the resurrection. You are resurrection people. Christ died. He was buried. And He arose victorious over that grave. And because He lives, we have eternal, everlasting hope. It's hope in Him, not in ourselves. It's hope in His work, not in ours. It's hope in Almighty God, who has made the way because He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's His work. That's His will. God's Word makes it clear He wants none to perish, but He wants all to come to repentance. Let us remember that we have that blessed promise that we too shall live. And let us celebrate His resurrection today, but not just today. Let's celebrate His resurrection every day. And let's lead others to His way of life so that they too can have that blessed hope. There's no point in walking as people of the resurrection in this world and losing sight of the fact that He said to go out into that world and tell others the good news. Yes, He was killed. Yes, He was buried. But that good news is that He rose again. He arose from that grave. He arose victorious. And we can share that good news because that draws all of humankind into the presence of Almighty God when we align with Him in that relationship that we can have through 
His work on that cross. Let's remember this, folks, and let's draw others into His kingdom. Just one, one man, one woman, one child at a time, because every soul matters. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord. We thank You for the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. We thank You, Father, that You made the way because of Your great love with which You loved us, and not just us. You loved the world so much that You took away those earthly sacrifices. You made a heavenly sacrifice that we can have new life, Lord. We trust, we believe, we pray in Christ's name. Lead us, Lord. Take our lips and use them to proclaim the resurrection at every opportunity we have. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God.